This is Rethinking Mundane with Joe and Lex. Where industrial designer, craft technologist looks at everyday objects, questions its purpose, tries to repurpose it, imagines its future, or just leaves it alone. And today is a big one, one that I don't know if we can leave it alone because it's constantly evolving. But we are going to talk about the internet slash the web. Yes, well, well, let's first establish what is the difference between the internet and the web. Cool. So I've actually got this here because I actually didn't know the, the, the thing. So I went to our friend, ChatGPT, and I asked it, okay, what is the difference of the web and the internet? And it says, the terms web and internet are often used interchangeably, but they refer to different things. So the internet is really a network of computers that are connected globally. Um, it's the infrastructure that allows different computers, the um, servers and devices to be able to connect with each other. So that allows for email, file sharing, you know, being able for, you know, websites, you know, speak to a server. Where the web is a subset of the internet. I said the web uses the internet to transmit web pages, which are documents, because if you think of code, they're in doc they're essentially documents that are hosted on the server, that are transmitted over the internet to another, that in the server elsewhere, transmitted to your computer through the internet. And so you browse the web through a web browser, which is sort of your gateway to the internet. I think I've got that right. Yeah. If there's any tech snobs, leave me alone. I've done my best. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, uh, my understanding, there was web one. Yep. Which was the first version of the internet, which was sort of, you know, late, late, late 90s um, when the internet first came up, websites started to be a thing. Yeah. And that was, they were very basic, yeah. very one way. You could, you could sort of access a page, but you couldn't interact with that page. Yeah. There might be sort of buttons, but they would, they would almost just be pre, you know, yeah. very, very simple, just like kind of. You could look it on a PDF. Or yeah. And then Web 2 came up in the 2004. Yeah. Uh, and that was when it started to become two-way, but more interactive, allowed for uh, social media, effectively, where yeah. you, can, you could put something out and people could comment on that, could interact with that. And that's where we're at at the moment. Um, but the challenge that obviously comes with Certain companies hmm. taking a big percentage of the of the pie, in effect, means that they then have a lot of control yeah. over that movement of information hmm. and can collect a lot of information and collect a lot of data. Yeah. And maybe we should just touch on that. We should start with with the way that we use the internet and hmm. what what we think are the benefits and the yeah it's an interesting one because i feel like you know web one you know seems to be that time of just elite creativity because there's so much like i remember like there was a time recently and there's something when i started designing websites where i took on board was this thing of brutalist web design mm. where it was almost like because what has happened when you got to that web two era iPhone gets introduced, more screens get introduced, 
became the standardization of how you know UX UI design, how web design should be. And brutalist web design was almost this thing of like, let's go back to the throwback of the nineties and almost like, you know, big F you to rules and standards and all these things. So I really like that. And then I guess, you know, um the social media area, which is really interested where the content, you know, if you think of web one, the content was created by a bunch of publishers or people who created content and then people interact with that content. Where this time around, we're almost creating these platforms where the content is generated by us the users mm. and that's almost a place and then we are now designing for a design's purpose at that point then is maybe to influence that stickiness yeah. of you know how do we design something that's sticky how do we design something that's quite addictive how do we have people spend a lot of time on the internet because our business model is essentially selling engagement that's where those advertising models have come in so we the internet is still free for, for most of the services free for us to use but you know somebody selling content we're getting sold ads to us and then the companies are getting savvy in learning how to sell ads and you know companies have had made billions and billions and billions across but it's come with its pitfalls right yes i think that's the thing that's it's quite fascinating because the idea of uh, at having all these tools at our disposal for very little money really, yeah. is amazing. I mean, you can go online and find out information about things. You don't have to buy a book. You can just Google everything. You can find out what the news, uh, what's happening on the side of the world. As you say, you've got access to, to so much for free yeah and there's but and yet people are making a huge amount of money from the internet so it's really easy to just forget that you know nothing in life is free mm. so you've got to be giving away something yeah and that's obviously where big data comes in and i think it's really easy for us to just think that people are buying and selling you know like our our email address and our name and our date of birth but Obviously, that's worthless to, to somebody on yeah. its own. It's more, it's more the nuances around collective behaviour, building up kind of profiles, putting you in categories of different profiles, and then selling those to companies who can then advertise to you. Yeah. Or we were talking about it a minute ago, but just if so, someone says that they're maybe moving, or they're having a baby, or they got a new car or something suddenly you're opening yourselves up putting yourself in, in a in a different box that to be marketed to and that that piece of information it is is really very valuable yeah. but the thing i guess that then leads to is um well a couple of things one is identity so what does it mean how how has the internet sort of changed who we are yeah and how we interact and mm. most people have like a sort of an online self and a, yeah and a mm. an offline self but it, it almost goes back right because obviously web 2 is built on this concept that you're either a content creator or you're a consumer 
so it needs content creation and you could be both at the same time mm. it's not like it has to be distinctively but it's almost created this new economy this new universe and i guess for us lot where we came up in web 2 where we built our businesses off the internet you know i'm here sitting here talking about my company for the last 10 years because it came from the internet i was a consumer of it but i also created content for the world to recognize and see that and then we talked about this as well in the cv episode where it was about that challenge of identity but one of the challenging things right with web 2 which maybe leads us into the segue of web 3 was we create these identities but we don't own these identities mm. you know it's so hard to delete your instagram account i don't think you could delete your facebook account and you would come back i don't i'm not even sure which one you can't delete if you can if you delete it you deactivate it and then you can't delete it for good i can't remember i think there's I used to have this, but like that challenge of control, who controls it? Or right now, as these companies want to push more of their ads or push you more to move in ads, for example, when we talk about Instagram, Instagram's discoverability and its stuff for small businesses has now become much more challenging than ever before. You know, once upon a time, the timeline used to be um, I can never pronounce this word correctly. In order of yes, can you pronounce it? Or you, I can't pronounce it, but you know, um, chronological chronological I, order. Sorry, I forgot the word. And I'm, now it's a mess. Now it's a mess, right? It's a mess, and there's ads everywhere, and you're being pushed content that you aren't or from people you're not following. That is has a risk of pushing you more and more into like a particular bubble. Yeah. And I think the other aspect of identity that's quite interesting is if you almost kind of put out into the world, even in a small way that you're interested in, um, I will give you an example of what we were talking about in the office the other day, but if, you're, if, you're, if you've got back pain and you're interested in learning how to stretch out your hips mm. and, and, your, and your back and you follow a couple of um, people who are doing, you know, demonstrating some exercises, yeah. suddenly your entire, uh, everything changes, everything yeah, yeah. changes and ev all your feed is full filled with sure. stuff yes, about, yeah. you know, release your shoulders in 15 seconds. Yeah. And, and then, but then that's fine. And you know, that's a, t that's a kind of safe example. Yeah. But it could also be that you, you followed someone who turns out to be quite extreme mm. and then you're, read your like watching some of that content and it may be that you're watching it not from interest or like that you believe in it but actually from disbelief but it doesn't yeah. matter the fact is you watch that content it generated an, an emotion in you enough to, for you to keep watching it and then you get fed more and then you get started to start you know there's a risk that you start thinking in that way yeah and then you and then actually it starts to shift and change your entire perspective on life yeah. because you're stuck in this bubble believing that everybody that in the world is thinking in the same way that yeah. you now think and i think that's that's when the internet becomes quite powerful in in a in a scary way yeah. because it's it allows people yes to you're collecting data and data sets and profiles and personas to market to and to sell to and that's yeah. kind of harmless but now you're giving it to politicians and now you're giving it to um far right groups you now you're giving it to uh, them, you know, people who are trying to 
change the direction yeah. of of the way that we think, and that's that's kind of think, kind of scary. I think it's a challenging thing, right? Because I think you know the initial goal of the internet is meant to or the World Wide Web is meant to be this free space where people can create you know create content and put stuff. I think the challenging thing is sometimes when we design things, we tend to not think of we, you know, the way sometimes the design thinking process is normally framed is, was it empathize, define? I can't remember. I don't know why it's tempted to try. But, I thought you were a design-elect. Hey, I just know how to make stuff. I ain't know how to think. But, like, but a lot of times when you think of personas, we always think of, like, good actors. Yeah. This person is going to use the internet and they're going to make art or they're going to promote themselves. We're here. And then we forget that know the human condition is very complex and so when we create these things we have to we have to pay attention to the complexities of the human condition and um and we still don't know how to we still haven't addressed that well because i think in this optimization we talk about remember like as a designer maybe working on some of these platforms and stuff your target or your focus might be about how do you optimize for more engagement mm. because these companies need more engagement for you more engagement equals more money so even if it's bad yeah. content more engagement is what the algorithm is what's going for and we still don't have a design we still don't do that really well you know i've worked on a project with caroline cinders um around um it's called a care bot we, we created it just like late 2019 early 2020 and it's something that's come up um, recently, because it was exhibited at the Science Gallery just two weeks ago um, as part of their AI exhibition. But one of the things of that project was this thing of like online harassment, mm. because these Web2 platforms or the social media platforms in case on the internet, there's still a lack of um, resources or lack of help if you have been harassed on the internet and there isn't really like mediums in place. So it's still this thing of when we've got these platforms now that are obsessed about user-generated content, but maybe might like a polarized, you know, piece of content, it causes problem, and that's when you have propaganda, um, the wrong information being shared, or manipulation. There's, you know, a lot of there's a really interesting talk on on um, TED Talk by a lady called Carol. I can't pronounce her surname, but I think she was at the Guardian. She talks about Cambridge Analytica and how manipulation of the town she comes from in um, in Wells, how that they information was shared with them in a particular way, which manipulated their choices for the Brexit vote and stuff like that. And that's interesting. And now it leads to this conversation, or oh, there was this hype at one point about Web Free. Mm. So Joe. You know, you're gonna ask me to to give it. <laughs> you're gonna ask me, right. an industrial designer, to explain what Web three. Alright, cool. So Web three. You're gonna read it off ChatGPT. Web three. <laughs> this is an area I still don't understand because I didn't tap into it. Fortunately, I know I have friends who may watch this and they are they know Web three. So from what ChatGPT has said, Web three is about this concept of decentralization. It's a work in progress, and it's an ever-evolving concept aiming to create a decentralized web. A lot of this has been amplified by blockchain technology, which personally I still don't understand myself, which is bad. But the whole aspect is 
I guess is this thing of right now Web2 is centered around our data and we don't have control of that and the space is all about maybe having decentralized networks where we are in control of the data we have we're in control of the engagement our actions our insights and all of these things and I guess we are able to like somehow yeah find <laughs> but yeah I guess it's about we I haven't seen any good use cases as of yet no I guess the NFT hype was trying to be this aspect of decentralization but I guess like I said the human condition is quite complex right because I think NFTs for a period of time got so obsessed around bringing them same capitalistic models and frameworks and so didn't really create a decentralized environment I think it's still so new um, that I think the value of these concepts will come over time they still need a while in order for us to you know because it's almost a new behavioral change and there's certainly an appetite for it in that people are waking up and being like wait a second i don't feel like i've got control over what happens online even if i feel like there's content creators who are putting content out but they can see the impact of that content changing because of changes to the algorithms. Mm. Businesses are going out, uh, like seeing sales dropping overnight because Instagram or Facebook or whatever has changed changed the algorithms, which means that their marketing isn't hitting the way it was before. And yeah. and it's like, how do we, how do you kind of have some sense of security, but also some sense of control and uh, over that and. I mean, I guess the thing about the internet in the first place is that a lot of people saw this as just a way to, uh, as a great leveler, as a way of actually getting information across to people, no matter what where you were, your background, yeah. you know. Um, and and for a while, I think there was some, there was a lot of hope there, and over the last decade, especially, it's become a place where people are more and more concerned about it yeah um, it's almost like when facebook brought everything you used to when you see something on facebook you used to like it yeah it was always a very positive action and then they brought in all the other emojis mm. and then you could put the angry face next to it and and as far as i know and i don't correct me if i'm wrong but it would if you put an angry face next to it it would promote that more because that was a stronger reaction mm, than if you put a like and so it was almost as if Anything that made you angry was like, right, this is great content. Yeah. Let's just keep fostering that. And yeah. the media is the same. I yeah. mean, it wants it wants reaction. It yeah. wants because it wants engagement. And and anger is a stronger engage a stronger reaction than than oh I like that. And so it's almost as if it's like fostering anger. Yeah. But it is also really easy to just see that side of it and forget all of the incredible yeah. stuff that the web allows us to do. I mean, mm. we wouldn't, neither of us would have a business if it wasn't for the internet. Yeah. And there's no way that we'd be able to promote our services, that we'd be able to collaborate online, that we'd be able to uh, gain and learn and and um, put out the information and, and the learnings that we, yeah. we that we have. And, and I think we've got to be so grateful for it. Mm. Um, but yeah. But as a user, and, and and as a user of the internet, 
um, for yourself and for your business and one who what if you are based on what I'm giving this explanation on web3 what because I think the question is also like I've always think about this space when I've worked in a space on like you know data information of communication of data ownership of data privacy transparency it's like you know do people really care that much or are people really relatively fine so I guess I'll ask you and I'll ask this to everyone you know based on if there is going to be a web 3.0 or when that materializes what would you want that web 3.0 to be like for you mm. as a user of the internet all I can say is that there's uh, a browser duck, duck, go that doesn't track your like data and doesn't doesn't take your location and use stuff yeah. to filter the the search results. Yeah. Compared with Google, and honestly, I tried it for a while, but it was like I couldn't find anything I wanted yeah. because. And I guess the question is, is it because I'm Google's just giving me what I want and, and then so I'm just getting the information that I'm that I'm wanting and it's just it's just a positive reassurance. Yeah. But actually I don't believe that. Like I genuinely just found it like really, really difficult to use yeah. because it's useful for me to be getting information about about you know, that's that's, that's related to my location. If I wanna Google the, if I wanna look up the weather it's it's no use me going on DuckDuckGo and getting the weather mm. for China, you know, like I want the weather for yeah. Hackney right now. Um, so I think, I mean, that's a, that's a really lame example, but that kind of thing is, it's difficult because everything's been optimized. It's like, you give us a little bit of data, we make your life easier. Yeah. And, but now it's like, okay, well, you're not taking that data. Now you've got to do the hard work yourself. So yeah. I, I guess it's that. It's like, how do we make sure that I know nothing about Web3? Like, that would be a question I would have is that, okay, everything's decentralized, then how do we make sure that you're still getting the same function? I guess it changed, then it changes the relationship with consent, right? I think if you own your data, then you may have more choices of where, where you don't want your data to go. Mm. So I think it's that relationship of consent and ownership, who owns what, and that being clear. Because right now we don't own our tweets. You know, we don't own our, do we own our Instagram posts? I don't know how many of us look through those terms and conditions. Yeah. You know, and so I think there's an opportunity to, just where open source technology comes in as well. It's like, you know, I think, yeah, can data be owned by us? Do we care enough about that? Is that value exchange meaningful for us if we control that data? Is that burdensome for us? And what ways and this is where design comes in right what products what services what systems gets designed in a web free world where you know where we own our content we own our data we have more control um and yeah it's beneficial i don't know it's an interesting thing. It is interesting. You made me just think of one thing, and I think the thing that would really, that would really like change my mind about it pretty quickly was that if and I, there's no reason why this would this would happen, there's plenty of other people in the world that it would be better to do this for. But if someone was to take an AI and 
um, or, or like train an AI based off every bit of content I've ever put out, which is a lot. Like I'm online a lot. I put a lot of content out. There's plenty of pe places you could hear my voice. You could see what it looked like. You yeah. could read my content on LinkedIn. You could, you know, sign up to my newsletter. You can do all of these things. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it could take all of that and it could basically just, just generate another version of me. Mm. Then I would really feel like I'd lost my identity. Okay. Because, and that would be that would be that would be weird. Yeah. That would be very Black Mirror for me, and but perfectly, perfectly possible because, as you say, everything that's once is out, it doesn't belong to me anymore. It's, it's out there. It's out there, it's out there yeah. to be taken, scraped, used, yeah. fed into an AI, whatever. So, yeah. um, if anyone's thinking about doing that, please don't. Listen. <laughs> That's why I always say sometimes in some of my talks, the internet is a repository of evil. Because when we polarize us, you know, we are from user generated content, we this the stronger reaction has always been the negative side. It's so moving for us in the human condition to take that then maybe the positive side and when you train that to these models that have no context and no understanding of the human condition. That's what it might be driven to most times is the negative, and then you still have to have human input that tries to filter out these models. You know, there's, you know, I just gave a lecture today, and I showed in one of my slides that there's been investigations on how some of our favorite AI chatbots to use workers in Kenya getting paid two dollars an hour to basically make it less toxic because, you yeah. know, their repository, you know, our, our our favorite tool, our favorite thing it's also a repository of evil but i guess you know rethinking the mundane this is this yeah. is not a mundane topic i had to say but it's funny because actually we just take it for granted you know in the same way as we talked about light bulbs maybe we should say rethinking the things we take for granted but i mean it's a whole other episode to think what would happen if the internet just stopped but yeah we wow. could do that maybe I think we've 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 certainly covered a lot of topics and we've asked a lot of questions. If anyone's got thoughts they want to add to this or want to ask questions that we can then address in the next episode, I think we could probably do a internet 2.0 <laughs> 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 episode. But I think we can leave it there. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Lex. This Thanks, is going to so. be. I don't know if this is going to go out before Christmas. So maybe it won't. Maybe, maybe it won't. won't. It probably won't. Anyway, if it's not, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye.